Get a shift. On. <laughs> Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Talk to Who for the very first time. My name's Jake. With me are those couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and our producer, Terry. This week, we're here to talk about the season 12 finale, The Timeless Children, written by Chris Chibnall, directed by Jamie Magnus Stone, aired March 1st, 2020. Sam. Jake. Get a shift on. What'd you think? It was a really great episode. Like, there was so much there and so much to unpack, and they unpacked most of it, which I like. I don't like the whole, like, the fugitive doctor thing kind of annoyed me. How they give you this whole big thing, and then it's, like, not solved at all. But I really like the whole, it's not really tied up in a bow, but, I mean, it's pretty good. I liked it. Get a shift on. Get a shift on. <laughs> Cody? Sasha Dewan makes everybody else in this entire show look like garbage. Agreed. I wouldn't go that far. I would go that far. You would go all the way? I would go farther. Way? I would go even farther. I would say Sasha Dewan is a better Time Lord than <clears throat> Jody Whitaker. Hey, Cody. No. What'd you think of the episode? <laughs> it's just, it's the mountain of Sasha Dewan. The episode was great. Every time that we learn about more about the Doctor and Gallifrey, I'm, it's my favorite episode of all time. Hands fucking down. Jill. Yes. Uh, what'd you think of this one? It was very good. I liked it a lot. I don't have, I mostly have positive things to say. Also agreed that Sasha Dewan's amazing. Also thought the wrap-up of everything was really nice. Like, it, it was the perfect amount of wrap-up, but still having room for explanation of things later. Terry? I greatly enjoyed this episode. Uh, there were only a few things in it that made me cringe a little bit. Um, but that's just because of past conversations that we've had about our podcast and Doctor Who. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I agree with everyone else on their points. Alex, what'd you think? It is a great episode. It's so good. the The story was cool, and you know, the master is just amazing. It, it was, and it looked really good too. I really liked the look of this one. I don't know if it was different from the last two, but it just, I don't know. It pops. It pops, Jerry. <laughs> hey, Jake. Hey, what? What'd you think? Uh, it's okay. It's cool. I like, you know, Sasha Dewan just doing stuff is fine. Her happiness is great. Uh, once you kind of know everything, like if you've seen it before, there's not a whole lot of like rewatchability to it. It's kind of a lot of talking. You just stare at Sasha Dewan the whole time. That's what I did. <laughs> it was good. Sasha Dewan is the best actor of all time. <laughs> My first note is is a line from him that's like when they got to Gallifrey the fir for the first time right away in the beginning. Um, he said, look at my work and despair. Like, ugh, such an evil line. So good. Oh, if you want evil, my line for him uh, was, uh, I'll roll out the red carpet. It's red because it's drenched in the blood of our people. And then he giggles. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, I love this man. Question. Uh, are we not doing question verification? Okay, cool. Sam, <laughs> Sam are we open for questions? Only for uh, tatters. Oh, sorry, Cody. <laughs> Damn. Tatters, ask this question. <laughs> How do you kill a planet full of Time Lords that can regenerate? 
I was kind of wondering that too, because then they're just in some vaults on cooldown. Like, how does that stop the regeneration? Well, they only have 12 lives, or 12 regenerations, we, so... We also saw the doctor die. Well, I guess... We, we know the doctor can die. Like, Time Lords can die. I was assuming they were on their 12th, because they clarified that, that they have 12 regenerations. Yeah. There's ways to kill the doc. There's ways to kill Time Lords so that they don't regenerate. Like, it's always a threat in the show, like, oh, if they do this, it won't trigger regeneration, because they have to have, like, a threat, because otherwise you don't have a story. So yeah. there's ways. But the Timbermen can regenerate. So do they like, just... Right, because because well, uh, he did a thing. Are Timbermen? T- yeah, they're Timbermen. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's did he good. use like his screwdriver, the master screwdriver, to be like, regeneration returns? Or like Harry Potterified, like Regenerus Returnicus? <laughs> well, it's like because they were converted to Cybermen, they have like a little extra juice. <laughs> a little extra batteries and there's some time batteries. <laughs> Can we go back to to cody's word for that like why would you go with the easy cyber lords <laughs> That's because <what> I was. <laughs> we had a cyber lord it was a really tall cyberman it was just kind of meh that was the cyber king cyber king tomato fucking tomato but those Timberman. cyber lords though they looked cool Oh my god, I love those those new heads that they had. They were so pretty. That it was like the one thing that fandom I might be wrong, but fandom wasn't a big fan of their crazy colors and now they're cyber colored. Yeah, the colors are always ridiculous, but I think that's the point. Like I think they keep using them cuz they know it's ridiculous and we're supposed to think this that the time lords are ridiculous. Like we're supposed to not like them. Well, we definitely don't like them now. <laughs> they're all, they're yeah. all a bunch of bullshit. They're all lies. The Time Lords are all lies. Yeah, you want to just get into it? Yeah, I do. There's only one actual Time Lord, and that's the Doctor. Everybody else is a phony. I don't quite get how that tie-in. Like, I get the Doctor's a Timeless Child and a different race and whatever, but how did that carry on to everyone else? Like, I know they used her genes. Yeah, yeah genetic splicing. splicing. Yeah. So, the lady, like, her mom... Did the genetic splicing, or who did? Tech Taeyun. Yeah, so she studied it her entire life, trying to crack it. She finally did, and then once she can regenerate, you know, you have forever to figure out everything. And that's why they're able to create this idyllic society. Idyllic to them. So they're, like, injecting genetic matter into people? I don't know how genetic splicing works. (laughs) Weird. As long as there are no follow-up questions, yes. <laughs> Did they do it to only the uh, people in the Citadel, though? Or was it to everyone in that population? Because I Who thought knows? there were people on Gallifrey that didn't have regeneration abilities. It's a speculation, but no one really just says one way or the other. Okay. Well, they said in the in the flashback that um, they, like only the citizens of the Citadel were granted regeneration right like it was it was in the scene when it showed the citadel being built real fast i don't think it said only i think he just said the citizens of the citadel were granted or yeah something like that but they didn't say only i think they purposely just don't say because it's i mean you're creating enough hard lines in this story like you don't need to do any other ones yeah also, it's 12 regenerations? I thought it was supposed to be 8. That's weird, because this is the 13th Doctor. <laughs> well, it doesn't apply to the Doctor. Because <laughs> Matt Smith ended up getting regeneration capability back through the crack in the wall. And he was right. the 11th Doctor. He was the 11th Doctor. Oh, well, then never mind. If you don't count the <laughs> War Doctor and the time David Tennant regenerated back into himself. Ah... Uh... You've seen this show, right? Most of it. Sometimes I wonder. I definitely didn't watch a lot of the Rose season. Seasons. Nope. (laughs) This would be a good Um, trivia question. 
<laughs> How many? Yeah. Um, you guys probably won't be shocked that certain fans really had a problem with Christian Noel retconning the Doctor's origin story. Yeah. It's not really yeah. a retcon. It's just an addition, right? Well, there are people who will say that it's disrespectful to William Hartnell to now make him not be the first Doctor. Why? Because people are stupid. <laughs> that is stupid. Because <laughs> guess what? He still is the first Doctor. <laughs> first actor to ever play him. Yeah. <laughs> created created the show. Wouldn't exist without him. I think blanketing as like the timeless child is an okay to go way to go about it, though. Because it's not taking away from the Doctor. It's just a precursor to the Doctor. It opens up a lot of doors to all kinds of different positions in time for the Doctor. This means uh, the Fugitive Doctor is a previous iteration, right? Like a super early Doctor? Yeah, before William Hartnell, the first Doctor. Before the before times, yeah. So, are we kind of assuming that now the Doctor is kind of like me? She can't remember everything because her life is so long? <laughs> Well, her memory was erased. That's the whole Joshua oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. the or division. Brandon, not Joshua. <laughs> Brendan. Brendan. Yeah. So did everyone understand that? Mm-hmm. Well, and mm-hmm. and that was that was it's like a, uh, like a non-existent government entity within the Time Lords that goes and actually meddles in time. Is, did I catch that right? I think I missed that the first time I watched it. Right, so that's the division which the Doctor used to work for. That's why they're chasing Ruth Doctor. It's because she... Something happened and she escaped or left or ran away. And she trained in the same place with that lady. So she's from the division. And this kind of shows Tecteun and the Doctor and that lady that was chasing Ruth Doctor like starting the division or recruiting the doctor to be in it. And so I'm guessing that that's next season as we learn kind of more about what that is. Oh shit. I didn't even think of that. So did, so is the reason why the doctor doesn't remember it is because the fugitive doctor got caught and then they wiped her brain. No. Okay. It might not be the Ruth Doctor, it might be a later Doctor, but at some point, right before William Hartnell, they erased the Doctor's memory, just like they were doing to Brendan. Right. But it doesn't have to be Ruth, it could be anything. Oh man, that's sick. That's that's a cool storyline. Uh, Jill, you were you were particularly excited about the Brennan story they were telling like you really liked it was this a satisfactory conclusion to that for you or explanation uh i i still don't quite get like the origin so it's a false memory created by Tecteun to leave in the matrix for the doctor so it's like a representation of what actually happened to the doctor okay so it's like a bunch of little vignettes, like the doctor oh. falling and regenerating and then, oh. you know, being recruited into the division. So they show that scene and it's just like Brennan and his dad meeting the like chief of police guy. And then it ends with his memory being erased. I'm a dummy. I didn't oh, understand that, that before. I did think so. I liked like the story was so good in the last episode and then it was just like a brush over in this episode. So I, I would have liked a little bit more of that story intermixed because it was intermixed so well, but they really didn't have time for it or opportunity for it. Like there's enough other things going on. You know what? There's a couple spots that could have been a lot shorter that where I, I disagree. I think there was time for it and the things they spent time on instead really didn't need that much time. I mean, they gave us all of the master and like I, I felt like the master was super overbearing in this episode, but I was fine with it because it was really good. Yeah, yeah. No, but, master's great. But yeah, well, I'm talking about like the when they're all in like the new TARDIS and the doctor's like explaining to them how she has to go save everybody and set off the bomb. And then Yaz is like, no, you can't go like that could have been half as long. Like, we don't need to do that for like a fourth time this season. And then when Koshama shows up, 
all that, like him arguing with the doctor about doing it, that could have been short. Like, I just, those kinds of scenes are in every show and they're just boring because they're easy. My other thing with this episode, so other than the Brendan story, which I'm glad you knew how it was resolved because I didn't, um, is the fam. Like, we had a lot of complaints early on about not getting to know the fam, and then they started actually using them, and then the fam was just so minimal. And this is the their second season and a finale, so you're assuming they're probably not going to be here forever. Um, I was just kind of disappointed with how little they were used and involved. And like, yeah, they came up with a plan to save the doctor, and that was their whole thing, was like, we're going to save the doctor because she's saved us all the time. But I do feel like some of those little scenes were just be like, oh, yeah, the fam. Oops, we but forgot. But also, they didn't save the doctor. Well, they, they had a plan to, and that was their... They had a plan fine. to destroy the cyber ship, which is great, but they got to the doctor just as she was waking up, and then just did what she said, and then she, the doctor had to save them. So, like, if there was just one little thing in there where, like, they helped get the doctor out of the Matrix instead of the doctor doing it all by herself, it's like, something, give them, like, they said, their whole thing was, let's go save the doctor. Let them save the doctor. Yeah, good point. I feel like that's what happened in the episode where the master was shrinking all the people the first time. Yeah, they just happened to show up at the end of the story all on their own, but they didn't do anything. Yep. But I thought their part, like, on the cyber ship where they, like, were in the cyber suits was amazing. So yeah. good. Where the creepy Cybermen, like, comes up to them. Ah, oh, best scene. So good. Yes, and Alex, it answered a question you had last week, which was what was... Ashad doing oh, to those yeah, yeah. Cybermen that was making them scream. He was taking out the organic stuff on the inside. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. That was cool. And then we get the lovely little chat between Graham and Yaz. Yaz. What, what a piece of work. Yeah, that compliment <laughs> was really nice. Like, I really felt for Yaz. Um... I, I, I just want Graham to tell me I'm doing a good job, guys. <laughs> it's all I want. Graham always gets the garbage responses from the doctor, from Yaz. Poor Graham. I just wanted Yaz to, like, put her hand on his shoulder and go, you know, you really slow us down. <laughs> kind of wish you were here. <laughs> I did have a feeling, like, with that kind of compliment right away in the beginning of the episode, I was really expecting... Like, either Graham or Yaz to die somewhere Definitely. in here. Yeah. Like, it would just be the most Graham thing for him to sacrifice himself for Yaz. That death particle idea was pretty cool. I am not a big fan of how it ended up being done by Kusharmas. Which... Uh, ultimately, yeah, okay, we saved the doctor, but that's kind of a cliche where it's, oh no, the trigger system doesn't work <laughs> right. unless somebody pulls the trigger manually, lol. Yeah, as soon as they say manual only, it's like, well, then why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> why, Just, why'd you bring it, dude? Like, who wants a bomb you can only set up by holding it? Big, big whoops. Well, he, big whoopsie daisy. He, he mentioned it. Like a like a last resort for himself. Like he's not gonna be yeah. taken alive. And that's that's how I interpreted it. And then just how the doctor's reaction to it too, I think that was expected. Cause she's like, well, Oh, well, of course. What I don't like is that the doctor didn't do it. Yeah. Like all this talk about I would do this for the universe every time, no hesitation. And then she doesn't, and then Koshama shows up and is like, Oh, I'll do it. And she's like, Sweet, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> but and then she just leaves like nothing. Yeah, that <laughs> right. okay. That part did not like that part. But it's like if just four seconds earlier have Kushama show up just as she's like very sternly about to push it and just have him like grab it and maybe it could be a jump scare where we all think it's a bad guy grabbing it away from her, but it's him and he's like, get out of here. And she's like, Oh no, I guess I better leave. Oh my god, Jake. that already sounds so much better. Jake, Jake you're, you're hired. In. Yeah. <laughs> I also didn't love that the master made him smaller. It, I don't know. A shot? Yeah. Because then it just made it easier for the doctor. 
to like figure it out. It was like a weird a trick, as the master says, which I get. Yeah. But it just made the whole thing too easy. There were some stuff about that I do like. Like I I get, yeah, like Ashad should be like more formidable. But I like that it makes the master seem so badass. That like there's this huge bad guy we've been afraid of for three episodes and the master's just like oh click he's dead yeah. it does also show the power of the death particle too i suppose well because it was still there and it's still going to take out everything no matter if it's normal size or tiny right well there's two things about that that i really like that death particle shrinking thing one the master going you know i kind of thought that would make the death particle go off and i was okay with it because yes. then you get to see just how insane the master is. That's what I was going to say. Like the master, like just his, like his rage is so heightened in this form that we're seeing that he's, he's even self-destructive. Like we've seen the master be destructive, but not to himself. But like, like this one Does he is just like, want to die? Well, and it might be because of what he found out. Like he is in excruciating rage because part of the doctor is in him. All right, my other problem with this episode, since he brought that up because I forgot about it earlier, is why is the master, like, the the brain of the Time Lords? Like, why does he find everything out? Why doesn't the doctor dig into things? <laughs> well, the master went to Gallifrey and went into the Matrix and was just, like, looking around. Yeah, he And then he to. found this out, and then he killed everybody it just makes him seem so much smarter than the doctor like yeah he's doing it for evil where the doctor would do it for good but why hasn't the doctor gained this knowledge for good before the master could for evil smarter i feel like they just have different goals yeah and the matrix is explored a little more in some 70s doctor who some tom baker era stuff so like anyone can go in there and just start like digging around it's like a library and but the Doctor has distanced themselves from the Time Lords. They just left. And it's like, I don't I don't want to be a part of this society. So they can go back at any time and do all that, but they just have no interest. They'd rather learn about the universe by exploring the universe than by, like, you know, the... Kind of like the, uh, the same thing as reading about everything in books, you, you know, learning about it through the Matrix. Equivalent. That's the word I was what looking for. What is the Matrix? It's the accumulated knowledge of all the Time Lords. Like, their uploaded consciousnesses or their uploaded memories. And then, so the second part of the, the uh, death particle that I was talking about is that he purposely leaves it there for the Doctor. Because he knows she's going to come for him. And if she's the one that pulls the trigger and kills everybody, then he wins. Like, it's not just that he wants to die, Jill. It's that he wants the doctor to kill him. Because then it, like, breaks the doctor's... It's like the Joker and Batman. Yeah, I was just going to say. It's just, real, yeah, real everybody was DC. thinking that. Sure. <laughs> I was so, not when, thinking that. When but... she shows up and he's just like, do it, do it. And he's Sasha Dewan and he's fucking insane. It's the best. Do it. So, do we are we're just assuming then that, uh, the master and the, oh shoot, what are they called? Cody, Cody. what'd you call them? Oh, Timberman. Timberman. <laughs> that they got away from the blast, or at least a couple of them. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't notice that until this time, but because I had headphones on. When Koshamas hits the button, the master yells, all of you through here now. And you can see it. In, it's, they even put it in the subtitles. But I didn't notice it last time. So the master had some kind of exit strategy. What was the name of that lone Cyberman, dude? Ashad. Ashad. They really disrespected my boy Ashad. <laughs> all, all of the last few episodes... This badass lone Cyberman doing the coolest things ever. And then the master just turns him into a little toy. Like, boo, lame. Give him a give him a Viking death or something. A little bit better. Now, when you say cool stuff, I've been thinking about this. And honestly, I think they just hired the man. 
because of his facial expressions. Because everything you see of him is he's just walking around in a suit, but it's all in his face that the character comes out of. Whoever did his costume, fucking impeccable. I just love everything about that Cyberman. I have, the Cybermen have always been, you know, pretty darn good villain, but they're real vanilla most of the time. Some good stories have come along. Cybermen have graduated from kind of lame to okay, pretty neat. And this guy brought them to the next level of super fucking cool. Has the Siberium been like a thing in Doctor Who and like before New Who? Uh, I think there's been, like, versions of it, but maybe called something else. I might be the only one here, but I had no idea the Siberium was inside him. Oh, it, it oh, showed, they showed it. it in Villa Diodati. Yeah, at the end of Shelley, it went into him. I didn't really oh. understand it either, Cody. But when the Siberium left him, when he killed him, that... That fucking scene was so cool. And my jaw slightly dropped when the Siberium entered the master. Because, damn. Because he was dancing? <laughs> fuck yeah. Well, that <laughs> the special effects of this whole episode were absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Minus where the doctor broke the Matrix. That was kind of lame. Everything else, fucking <laughs> By pristine. By thinking really hard. <laughs> yeah. Little little smoke machine here and... Uh, the proprietary uh, snap back to all the other doctors. Well, she didn't have a leaf to give for knowledge, so. But it's the same. Like, the doctor tried killing that thing, the sun god, by overflowing it with memories. And so that's what the doctor does here. She's like, oh, there's so much more of me than I thought there was. I can overwhelm this thing with the sheer amount of my life. God, just saying that makes me vomit in my mouth. <laughs> I'm going to stop myself from drowning by drinking the whole ocean. <laughs> no, in that scenario, the ocean's trying to save itself by filling you. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad the doctor it can eat all of it. Anyway, feel free to cut that out, Jake. This is a fun little conversation. I I really like that um that there's now three Tardises out on Earth at the end of the episode. And I believe we decided it's Tardi. Sorry. Pretty sure it's Tardi. There's three Tardi out on the field. I think there's two, because I think the doctor She has hers, and then she made a tree out of the one that she took to escape. But I think she took off. I think she's, like, in space. But also, where she picked up her TARDIS wasn't on Earth, was it? Oh, no, it would have been on Earth, or whatever that planet was where they met uh, the these four oh. new people. Wherever, wherever the last seven humans were during the Cyber War. So just a different timeline? or It's a different the planet. I, yeah, I don't think they're on Earth. Oh, I thought no. they were the whole time. I'm sorry. No, they found those guys like on, they were like on a colony on a different planet. Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, I didn't really notice before this watch how much this story is an homage to the Russell T. Davis era of Doctor Who. First of all, Russell T. Davis, when he brought the show back, was like, you know what? No Time Lords. They're all gone. And then Stephen Moffat was like, yeah, but what if they weren't? And then Chris Chibnall was like, yeah, but what if they are? <laughs> and it's like, Russell wanted this, or all the Time Lords gone. Now they really are all gone, because I blew them up with a bomb. And then we get some direct quotes from the Rusty Davis era. First we get the Doctor doing the three what's that ended two of David Tennant's uh, seasons. Oh, yeah. When she got put in jail. Yeah, that was weird. And then also, we'll, we'll get back to that later, obviously. But also, um, the last one was the master, when he's talking to his newly created uh, timbermen. 
Why? He says, for Gallifrey, for the Time Lords, for the end of the universe itself. And if you remember David Tennant's last story, Timothy Dalton playing Rassilon says, for Gallifrey, for victory, for the end of time itself. So it's like a direct reference to that. I just thought it was cool. That nice. is pretty cool. Obviously, Chibnall really likes the RTD era and is giving it a little love in this story. I like it. I didn't catch it on the first one, but when I was watching it again, when the mother was testing the child through regenerations, does that mean she was killing the kid for yeah. science? Yeah. And you did notice the last time because we talked about it did on I? our podcast, Married to Who. That's weird. Is it really killing if they don't die? She was triggering regenerations in children. Question. Sam? We are now open for questions. Oh, thank yeah. you. Fine, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, Has the master always been fascinated with the Cybermen? Well, this is the third straight evenly numbered season where the finale has both the Cybermen and the master. Okay, because I, yeah, I really love this one. And then I remembered um, Michelle fucking Gomez making a Cyberman army for the doctor's birthday. And I couldn't remember if like any of the previous ones, he also was like implicated with Cybermen. Were there Daleks this season? No. Do I know what the next episode's called? Something about Daleks. <laughs> Revolution of the Daleks. <laughs> Uh, one thing I really, really liked about this is when the fam and the new people are going to go through the portal to Gallifrey, and they're all standing there looking at it, and Graham goes, so, who's going to go first? And then it cuts to a wide shot, and Yaz is already walking through it. I think that one shot tells us more about Yaz than anything else we've seen in the last two seasons. Agreed. But that was also after Graham's pep, pep talk, so, I mean, she was all juiced up. That's kind of what they're doing with Yaz. Like, every time the doctor's like, I'm going to go sacrifice myself. Like, it's always Yaz that tries stopping her, and then it's always Ryan like, that's like, no, let her do it. Yo, the master's over there. I'm going to get me there. Breaking Yaz. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little sad we got no Master Yaz scenes. I really enjoyed all of the camera angles and close-ups in this episode, too. Like, just getting in each other's faces and all of the twitchy eye movements that you could see in all of the characters. Like, it just brings everything to life rather than just having, like, full room shots. It's like, all right, y'all, have fun. It's like, it... It really helps a lot. The cinematography in general, when they're in the Matrix and uh, the doctor's talking to the refugee doctor. God damn, why can't I think Fugitive. about it? Ruth? Fugitive doctor, Ruth. Dr. Ruth. Uh, that, the like animation style they have in that is super cool. When they're going through the, or when the master's narrating the past, and they're showing the Tektuin lady. Tektayun. Tektayun. And she's like looking over her shoulder and like the camera angle changes to the other shoulder and she's older. It's so fucking cool. I really like the transitions in that too, where like the master would get like really big and shift to the right. And then like the same thing would happen with the doctor. And then it was just had this cool like sound and effect. It was awesome. Yeah, they did a lot of, like, when the master's talking to the doctor, he's, like, purposely on a step below her, and he's shorter than her. Even though, I think, they they do a lot to make Jody look really tall, but she's, at, she's a very tiny lady. <laughs> but uh, they purposely have him, like, down a step pretty often, so that she's, like, kind of glowering at him, and it's really cool. And uh, this Jamie Magnus Stone guy, the director, is pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised if he directs something next season 
and they've announced most of the directors for next season, but I don't I don't keep track of that stuff. And it's a COVID shooting season, so a lot of stuff has had to be moved around and maybe maybe he got lost. I just remembered I I love the contrast between the doctor and the master. Uh but how Sasha is so or just the master itself, um, that he uses his words and his knowledge to manipulate and construct all of this evil and everything. And I loved that the doctor like took him and threw him to the ground at one point. And I like startled him and it's like, Oh crap. Like this does not happen. Like this shouldn't have happened. And it like, I loved it. Like it just showed how more physical she is compared to his brain activity. Brain activity. Brain activity. <laughs> Come on. I just came back from being away and I literally have no idea what he's talking about. Brain activity. It's for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interesting that the doctor again ended up on Gallifrey with a button to push to kill everything on the planet. It was nuts. So, the Jadoon. Eh, out of nowhere. Yo, fro, do, bro, do, crow. (laughs) I'm ready. My body's ready for a whole episode of that. They didn't even do that in this one. They just talked English. (laughs) That's, yeah, but we all know what's coming. Uh, what's up? I had to leave for a minute. <laughs> uh, we're we're just talking about the Jadoon. Hey, you want to do some tweets? Please. Maybe one or two tweets. We're, we're it has been 45 minutes. Passion Fruit sent a jar candle at B underscore bird underscore moth says, wow, you're here already. Well, not a completely original idea. The big twist of the timeless child is still an amazing development for the show. I really look forward to the infinite potential it creates. I was surprised how much I liked the companions plot in this episode, too. Can you imagine if he tried to pull this storyline in his first season? <laughs> like, people would have hated him. I feel like that would have gotten cut. Well, when people were complaining that, like, the first season is too bland, there's no recurring monsters, there's no arc, he's just sitting there chuckling like, just you fuckers, <laughs> yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to be begging for the Saranga conundrum when I'm done with this shit. <laughs> that line should be on a corkboard somewhere. <laughs> All right. Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, I genuinely think this is one of Jody's best performances in the show so far. Her portrayal of the Doctor through everything that happens is magnificent. All of the Doctor's anger and pain comes through so easily and clearly. Uh, Her speech after the Master reveals the truth is incredible. You can feel the strength of spirit and self-belief coupled with pure anger, and it's so effective. And the scene near the end where she forces the fam to stay in the TARDIS and leave her is performed so well, you could see the Doctor being affected by the situation more than usual. Sasha's amazing in this too. His portrayal of the Master is so layered and more than just the sadistic evil that's on the surface level. You can see the joy he's taking in tormenting the Doctor and his delivery of the response to the Doctor asking... If the rage was calmed is so well done. The way he portrays the master's disappointment and not dying when he killed a shot really shows the depth of his character that you don't normally see. And you still get to see the humor in his performance in this one. The line that gets hidden in the explosions about escaping is so clever. See, I didn't even know about that. The interplay between Sasha and Jody is wonderful too. I think this Doctor Master pairing is on level with Twelve and Missy, and you can see the connection the two have, however twisted it is. The fam are great, even if a little underused, but having Yaz be the first through the gateway is a good way of showing her courage. The Cyber Masters are a good idea, and I really like that. Yeah, that's what the show calls them, the Cyber Masters. Tybermen. Timberman is way better. Cyber Lords. <laughs> Fuck. Nope. Timberman. So easy. So easy. <laughs> uh, but they seem a little wasted in this, and the explanation for the Brennan scenes does make them make more sense, but they do seem more throwaway now, and it's frustrating how big a part of the last episode they were. Um, now on to the controversy. I'm of the opinion that the Timeless Child reveal doesn't do any disrespect to Hartnell or ruin the show as a whole, like some people think. 
This might be a brave statement to make, but I like the idea. Seems to open up so many. Oh, gotta go back. New thing. Possibilities for the show and for the character. And while I can see why people say it takes away some of the mystery, to me it adds more. And or, to me it adds a lot more backstory that we don't even know as opposed to knowing the majority of who the character was. I can understand the other side of the argument as long as it isn't a rabid disagreement, but I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, seeing Joe Martin in the Matrix was a nice touch, and the use of the theme as the backing music for the Doctor's Escape is genius. That was in my notes, too. I really like... They've done it twice in her very first episode, Jody's first episode, and this, using the theme song of the show in the show. I thought it was cool. The only major problem I have with the story is that it's the third finale in six series to have the Master and the Cybermen as the main villains. At this point, it feels a little repetitive. Um, cliffhanger ending works so well. It's really intriguing, even if a lot of the fans had guessed where it was going. Very curious what y'all think of this, given how you haven't seen much Classic Who. I'm not sure you'll be swayed towards that angle. But even so, I'm very curious about your thoughts. And I'm excited to hear your thoughts on what's coming up. Can only say that one more time. <laughs> hey. Um... Speaking of the reveal of the Timeless Child, uh, did anyone else hope that it was uh, the Master who was the Timeless Child? No. What? Oh, I was super excited for him to just go like, it's me. It's fucking me. I'm the kid. And, like, I was experimented on. Like, I wanted that. And then it was like, it's you. It's like, oh, dang it. <laughs> when I When I saw the name of the episode... And I saw it coming up. I was like, oh, it's going to be the master and the doctor because it's children. Right. Like that would have been sick. But yeah. It's not too late. <laughs> Why was it called children? Is it because they spliced everything into the other Gallifreyans and they became timeless children? Because that... the doctor was more than yeah. one child. So all of Gallifrey or all the Time Lords are the children of the doctor. Okay. I think it, well... We also just saw not only one child of the doctor. Yeah, she was also multiple children. <laughs> it's probably that. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Uh, James Courtney and Mr. J. Courtney for a slightly different opinion on the episode. First of all, uh, didn't get us any notes or any tweets for the last two, so a quick rundown of those. Haunting of Villa Diodati was fantastic. I always say Villa, it's Villa. <laughs> Haunting of Villa Diodati was fantastic. Easily the best story of the era and Jody's best performance. The Doctor is active and becomes the towering presence we're used to. Ascension of the Cybermen is, a, is aesthetically similar to the Battle of Richard Burton. All grays and blues and is similar tonally, but with some added Cybermen sil silliness. Love the flying heads. Across both those stories, we have a shod. He looks brilliant and beautifully evokes the same body horror as World Enough in Time. Once Chibnall was writing the, once Chibnall was writing the dialogue, he became much more like Tim Shaw, i.e. a ranting, melodramatic, pantomime villain. <laughs> on to the Timeless Children. Seven episodes on from Orphan 55, and we are back in my bottom ten. I believe he means of all time. Cody, you said this is your favorite episode of all time. <laughs> this is in James's bottom ten. Yikes. Oh, no. I don't even think like Sasha Dewan would dig it out of any bottom anything. That, <laughs> Cody likes Curse of the Black Spot, so I mean, let's be fair. Hey, yeah, let's be fair. Curse of the Black Spot's great. <laughs> Cody's more about performance than story. Like, he loves a uh, great actor doing great actor things. Jake knows me. Yeah. Despite all the. Oh, back to James here. Despite all the revelations, in quotes, my fundamental issue with the episode is that it's dull. The Doctor spends most of the episode locked up being shown a PowerPoint presentation from the Master about these new things he discovered on the Doctor Who wiki. The companions do nothing, just having some silly runabout because actually the Cyberman plot doesn't matter. Time the fuck out! <laughs> Ryan Sinclair throws a basketball and blows up a shitload of Cybermen. <laughs> then they all dress up as fake Cybermen. Graham can't get his helmet off, which is funny as shit. How much do you need these people? Go on. <laughs> Ryan completed this year's story arc of magically using the power of belief to get rid of his dyspraxia. <laughs> I've tried that. It doesn't work. 
Uh, Graham remembered that Yaz is there and told her how fantastic she is doing the standing around and uh, standing around. <laughs> As if to demonstrate how pointless the Cyberman plot is, we learn that Ashad's grand plan is that because he loves being a cy cyborg so much, he wants to turn all the others into robots? <laughs> Sorry, I really don't get this. Not that it matters as the Master deletes this plot. We then get the worst design of the Cybermen ever. I do disagree with that. Although I suppose that makes sense as the Master has a long line of bad fashion choices. How dare you? <laughs> uh, the Doctor is stuck with a great big moral dilemma right at the end. What to do? After having had no agency for most of this episode, it's nice to see a decision having been made. Oh no, that's taken away from her as well. After haunting allowed the Doctor to be fantastically proactive, this just dragged us right back to where we were before. So then, on to the revelations from the Wikipedia. He means the Matrix. <laughs> now, not all of the ideas here are terrible. I love the idea of the Time Lords nicking regeneration from another creature. I'm not even fully against there being past incarnations of the Doctor before the first Doctor. However, I'm not a fan of how it turned out. The Ruth Doctor's presence implies that the past incarnations were also the Doctor, which means that all the first stories where the first Doctor learns to become a hero now mean he was only predetermined to become one. Sorry, Barbara, your efforts in teaching this crotchety old man were not needed. <laughs> Likewise, I like the Doctor to be a nobody. They aren't special. That's what's important. Anyone can become like them. But then we get to the end, and apparently it doesn't matter, so whatever. In the end, it isn't worth getting angry about. The show will move on. The public will still think of the Doctor being a Time Lord from Gallifrey. The Doctor is made half-human once in a story, so these things happen. These things happen. He's referencing the TV movie there. He says, now that I got that out of my system, I can avoid all these dull, all those dull internet discussions about this episode where nobody changes their mind. I'll just do something I like instead. Speak to you guys next time, if Matt remembers his notes. Thanks, James. I like all your <laughs> points, but I still, I still like it. Like, I get, like, yeah, Doctor didn't do anything. Companions didn't do anything. But I think I just like the, I love, I mean, obviously I love Sasha Dewan's performance. And I think I just like the balls of Chris Chimnall to do the thing. I disagree with his uh, thought that the Doctor was predetermined to be a hero. Like, who's to say that this iteration of the Doctor that we know of, starting with Hartnell, um, is the first time he came across uh, Earth and then started... But that's his point. Like, if you watch all of Classic Who in order, like, William Hartnell's Doctor goes from being an asshole to being a hero. Like, that first Doctor learns how to be a hero, and that's where the story is. If the Doctor was already a hero, i.e. the Ruth Doctor, then it wasn't something the Doctor had to be taught by his human companions, which is what the story of the first Doctor is. It's something the Doctor already had inside of them, and it was just dormant. I feel like we're missing out on this conversation because we haven't seen old Who. No, but it's the same. it's the same thing. I disagree with that because... I don't know if you wipe someone's brain and say the master got a hold of them and was teaching them things, then it doesn't matter if they're a hero before they're going to grow up to be an evil person. Like he just happened to have a family and a granddaughter and then go to earth and then become this thing. Like, I don't sure. Yeah, that's fine. There is still one like hanging. Um, I don't like to say plot hole because the story is not done. So you can't have a hole in an incomplete story. But why is Ruth Doctor's TARDIS a police box? Because the first Doctor explains that he landed in a junkyard on Earth and his TARDIS Holy turned shit. into something to blend in and so it blended in as a decommissioned police box because the police boxes were like decommissioned mostly in the 50s so this is 1963 so it's an old police box just sitting in a junkyard i think you uncovered it jake the tardis is the mastermind of everything <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna well, see this, like, we're gonna see the tardis consciousness come back and be like i have seen all and i know all and i have been with you through it all like 
Oh my gosh. So the easy answer to that is just like, who cares? They they did it for the reveal of the doctor wiping her hand across the dirt and showing the police box because we know that that means it's a TARDIS. So like, don't worry about it. I don't know. I've seen I've seen some classic who stuff where they like walk into something and it ends up being a TARDIS and that's pretty impactful. Like it doesn't have to look like a police box for us to think as audience, oh, that's a right, TARDIS. Yeah. So one that Alex is referencing, guys, there's an episode called The Time Meddler. And so it's a first Doctor story. It's the first time we ever see another Time Lord. And the Doctor's, like, investigating this guy. He's back in, like, Viking times. And there's this monk living in a church. And he's got, like, a watch and, like, a record player. And it's all these anachronisms. And then the doctor like goes back behind the altar of the church and there's like a little door and he goes in it and he goes into a TARDIS. And then like that's a big cliffhanger like oh shit. They could have done that where instead of the doctor like wiping the dirt away and revealing the police box side, she could have like entered something and stepped into a TARDIS and then had Ruth walk in behind her and do the exact same lines. Yeah, like maybe maybe a room in the lighthouse is like an attachment to the TARDIS. Like that would have been cool. Yeah. Or the whole thing was like, why would you have an unmarked grave out in the middle of nowhere? And it's because she was marking the TARDIS. That could have easily been a mausoleum or something with a door. Oh, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, that would have been cool. Alex, give me that fun fact theme song. Fun facts. Um, I only have one. So in the scene where Tech Taeyun, having already regenerated into a man, is walking down a hallway and it's with two other Time Lords, and they, like, really, like, color wash it so you can't see those other two people. But in the script, it says that we can assume those people to be Omega and Rassilon. And so from Classic Who, we've always known that Time Lord society, like regeneration and time travel and just the society, were created by like three people, Rassilon, Omega, and the Other. And Phantoms always assumed that the Other was the Doctor, because there's references to it. The Doctor kind of cheekily hints at it sometimes, but this just flat out says, no, it was Tecteun, the Doctor's mom. Nice. I like that. Yeah. I wonder why Tecteun didn't want to be written down in the, the annals of history, though. Um, There's another fun fact I didn't write down, but when the Doctor's, like, thinking really hard to destroy the Matrix or to break out of the Matrix, she, like, first gets flashes of, like, a whole bunch of adventures, then gets flashes of every incarnation of the Doctor. And so it shows all the ones we know, and then it shows some other ones we haven't seen in the middle, and then it shows, like, all the kids that we saw in this episode. The ones we saw in the middle, there were, like, eight that were red. Like, they had, it was like a face with a red background. That's from a fourth Doctor story called The Brain of Morbius, where the story doesn't really matter, but at some point the Doctor is, like, being scanned by this alien, and there's a screen, and it shows all of the Doctor's previous incarnations, which this is the fourth Doctor, so there weren't that many. So it shows the previous three actors who had played him, and then it just shows a whole bunch of other pictures, and it's really just, like, pictures of the crew, like the cameraman, the guy holding the microphone. They just, like, took face shots of these guys and stuck them on there. And so this canonizes those guys as the Doctor <laughs> by bringing back those pictures from an episode from the 70s. And it's super fun. Yeah, where was the outcry when that happened? When there were only four four doctors and they showed like 13 people. Like, the fuck? Yeah. Find these people on IMDb and see if it's been updated to show them as the doctor. <laughs> Alex, give me the MVP theme song. MVP. Alex, who's your MVP? Sasha Dewan. It's so good. Yay. He is so good. They so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, 
the Blu-ray set for the third Doctor's second season finally came out in the States. It's been out in the UK for a while. And so I just got it. And one of the special features they have on all of these Blu-ray sets is called Behind the Sofa. Where they have like groups of actors from Doctor Who watching all like the whole season and just like doing a running commentary. And one of the groups of people is they have Sasha Dewan and his partner, um, the girl who played the the not the Rachnos from earlier in the season. And what's exciting about that the third Doctor's second season, it's when they introduce the master, and he's in every episode. So and it's the first time Sasha Dewan, having already shot all of his scenes, it's the first time he ever saw Roger Delgado's master, the original master. And he's just like blown away by him. And it's really fun to watch him watch the master for the first time. Oh, man. I want to see that now. Check it out. Cody, who's your MVP? Sasha fucking Dewan. Obviously. Jesus. Jill. Duh, Sasha Dewan. I have to say, though, like, his performance is perfect. I don't think it could have been any better. But when they were doing close-ups of his mouth, is he, like, a naturally really spitty person? Or He's got, he's got, a, he's got a wet mouth, man. <laughs> oh, that got to be a little much. And I'm like, it makes sense for, like, the psychoticness of the master, but it's a little disturbing. That's my only complaint. The line Terry brought up earlier where he goes, oh, I'll roll out the red carpet and then turns to the doctor and says, it's red with the blood of our people. Like he is really wet mouthed in that scene. And I was just watching it thinking, just give me a different take. (laughs) I know. Or pull back the microphone or something because it's like really, it's really deep. And then it's like they emphasized it because it kept zooming in on his mouth. And like you said, (laughs) they could have just pulled back the camera a little bit. You wouldn't have noticed it as much. That's my only Sasha Dwan. I'm not even <laughs> going to say it's a complaint. It's a comment. It fits the character, but it was pretty gross. On that According note, to friends, that's how you know you're a good actor is when you're spitting all over the place. On, on that note, I, I would say still my MVP, but like I had a moment where I was like, damn, it's just this dude acting this whole episode. Like He had like 45 minutes of screen time. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. That's what uh, James Courtney was complaining about. The Doctor doesn't fucking do anything. Yeah. Anyway, uh, still great. Sam, who's your MVP? Sasha Dwan. I was surprised when Alex did his... Dun, 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 dun. He didn't just end with Sasha Dwan instead of MVP, because <laughs> we know how this is going. Terry? Dwan. Sasha Dwan. I'm giving mine to Chris Chibnall. Boo! Boo! Wrong! I like it. Wrong! I don't Wrong. know if I've ever given him MVP, but just to have the balls to be like, "Hey, the first Doctor isn't the first Doctor, and all y'all can fuck off," is <laughs> the best. We almost had Sasha Dewan sashay into a, a clean sweep, but Jake had to ruin it all. Yeah, fuck you guys too. <laughs> it is now time for the Doctor Who podcast what it's now time for the podcast <laughs> pub quiz pub quiz on the podcast where the podcast has a pub quiz you guys are married you'll be in teams of two terry you're alone you'll be in a team of one oh. i have seven questions again i took them all from the doctor who trivial pursuit i went through every fucking question in the whole game for the updated 13th doctor questions there's only like four and they're all, hey, it, what year did this story take place in? <laughs> and I know you guys have no fucking chance at those. So that we're mixing in some other stuff. Although I did leave in one of those. <laughs> so question, I'm going to ask these marrieds a question. They're going to go into their Discord rooms and chat about the answer. And then in the edit, I'm going to edit all of that out. And I'm just going to leave a big space. And then will have their answers. But I'll give you guys at home like three seconds to think about it. But what about what about our funny antics in the room in the Discord channel? Well by the time I get to this point of editing, it's been like six hours and I just don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Question one. 
what is unusual about the dogs on the planet of Barcelona or Barcelona <laughs> that the doctor tells Rose in the parting of the ways? They don't have they, something. They don't have mouths. Oh, you're so close. Is it ears? No. Nose. It's part of a joke. We've talked, we've spelled out this joke before. What is it? The doctor says... Tails? The dogs have no noses. noses. And then you're supposed to say, how do they smell? And then they the say terrible. joke teller says, terrible. <laughs> Take it. Terrible. So no one got a point Dang there? It. Nah. What was, was the answer? We discussed it. No noses. Oh, okay. Then no. What is the name of Madame Vastra's human wife? Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> what were the 13th Doctor's first words? Still not a ginger. Ah, I'm falling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh hello <laughs> we said hello i'm dot 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 because she couldn't remember who she was nope it's oh brilliant dang it mm-hmm. i got half of that right question four what is ryan trying to retrieve from a tree when he discovers the stenza pot a bicycle bicycle yup his bike all right, one point for closest. Two, if you're dead on. What year did the doctor take Yaz to in order to meet her grandmother in the Punjab? 1945. 1928. Hmm. 1947. I'm wrong. It's 1947. Holy Whoa. shit! Holy uh, shit! He said he was wrong. He doesn't get points. Nope. Two points for Terry. <laughs> oh, bitches, Tatters. I'm back in the game. The lone goat. <laughs> yeah. I also wanted to go in the 20s, and Cody talked me out of it, so. I'm just double-checking, because there's no way Terry could have gotten that right. <laughs> I'm great with years. I thought it was World War One that that was around, but it must have been two. Whenever well, you guess in trivia, always guess an odd number year. Terry's great at years because he's been around forever. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Damn, shots fired. So Terry gets um, two, but get, we get one because we were close, right? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Which planet, the twin of Raxacorcofalpatorius, is the home of the Absorbaloff? Clom. Earth. Jupiter. Do you guys have separate answers? <laughs> no, we, we have Clom. I, I knew it was a dumb word like that, but I didn't get it right. It's clam. What does the 13th Doctor receive from a delivery box from the Kerblam Man? A fez. A fez. A fez. Oh, Terry. shoot. I said the <laughs> uh, teleportation device for a vacation. Was that a different uh, episode or was that not yes. Kerblam as well? And that wasn't given to the doctor. That was given to Graham. What's everyone got? Fez. I mean, for points. It's obviously <laughs> Fez. Three. One, two, three, four. Four. Oh, a proper tiebreaker. But everyone can answer. How many years is the doctor trapped in the confession dial? One million. <laughs> Not even close. Dang it. Terry? I said 10 million. Ooh. Just for fun, Alex and Jill, what'd you guys have? We said 3 million. God, it's 4.5 billion. Cody, Damn it. Oh, you were right. Fuck. Yeah. Terry, Terry was wins. <laughs> Holy wow. shit. We had team, First time ever. We had team Lone Goat. We need to have a yeah. party. Team Lone team <laughs> <laughs> Team the goat? lone goat strikes He's again a god. for He's the a first god. time for the last <laughs> the lone time. Goat strikes. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. Alex, give us the song. <laughs> this has been Married to Who, our episode on the Timeless Children. If you would like to participate in our socials, you can do so. Married to Who Pod on Twitter, Married to Who on Instagram, or you can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com if you want to listen to this podcast you can do so on 
Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on our website, marriagewho.com. On behalf of myself, Jake, Cody Sam, Jill Alex, and producer Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Revolution of the Daleks. Do 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 do